listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network, hosted by Damian Parson and Blake Murphy. All about your Arizona Cardinals. And hello, welcome into the Revenge of the Birds podcast. This is your co-host, Blake Murphy, on Twitter, at BlakeMurphy7. And I'm joined with my co-host, the wonderful at DP underscore NFL, Damian Parson. We're here to wrap up, put a bow on the 2022 preseason for the Arizona Cardinals. The Cards are already making their roster cuts, getting down to 53. And we've got two preseason games to talk about, uh, as well as a little bit of intrigue. Uh, before we get going, Damien, how are you doing, sir? And are you ready for some actual NFL football? Oh, I am great, Blake. And, um, you know, we, we are through with the preseason. So, yes, like it's good to see the, uh, the guys who are, you know, need the reps and are fighting to work themselves into the roster. But I'm ready for some um, actual NFL football, some real football. Absolutely. We'll be here at least to uh, discuss it with you. But before we begin, we did want to talk a little bit. You got the chance to go and see uh, another preseason game, um, the Bills and Panthers. Now, it's some of your work with the Draft Network. Cardinals are going to play the Panthers this year. Uh, obviously, Baker Mayfield has played sparingly in the preseason uh, it was a bit of a rain delay from the sounds of it. We were talking off air. Uh, how was your experience there? And more importantly, how did some of those players look for a, a future 2022 opponent for the cards? Oh, uh, yeah, the experience was good. You know, just being able to sit and watch the game and enjoy the game, you know, uh, be around some, you know, the, the fans and everything in, inside the stadium for the Panthers where Bill's Mafia came in a huge huge way but the panthers uh fan base uh keep pounding fan base is just live and um just raucous and it was a lot of fun man just a lot of fun to be around uh just some hyper fans some happy fans that football is back uh the panthers uh like i said like i talked we talked off air but um the bills didn't play like josh allen didn't play von miller none of their starters really played the panthers did run their their starting offensive line and, and offensive core and some of their starting defenders as well. Um, and for, you know, for the most part, you know, Baker Mayfield, of course, is the guy. And, you know, you, know, you could tell, you know, the calmness, the poise, the control of the offense and in the huddle, um, you know, he made some really good throws, like, you know, really strong arm that can, he can fit them into tight windows. And, um, you know, it's some of the passes that went to the running backs, you know, you have to be wary of. They were dropped because those were guys who aren't pass-catching running backs, unlike a Christian McCaffrey, CMC, who is a well-versed and very talented receiver out of the backfield. So, um, you know, watching them, Ike Aquano looked really good. Um, you know, a guy who had his struggles early in the preseason, you know, number six overall pick in, in the 2022 draft at left tackle. But you can tell he's um, – He's getting his bearings a little bit and he's getting better just, uh, just you know, step by step, you know, it's going to be take some patience with him, but um, you know, he's definitely getting there. Um, they run game. I think for Carolina is going to be just kind of work in progress. The interior offensive line does have some uh, little, some, I think I want to say they're probably the weakness in my opinion, in the run game. They don't create enough uh, vertical push mm. uh, consistently and create enough running lanes consistently for the running backs. Uh, but Christian McCaffrey can make so many things that are wrong with the play right. 
Uh, so, um, you know, that's just kind of talent he is. But, you know, for the other guys, you know, they, they can they typically are going to get what is blocked. So if, you, if the blocking is not proper, those guys aren't going to get a lot of yards. So but DJ Moore, an absolute stud, man. And he's someone that the Cardinals are going to have to figure out, how you know, who's going to cover him because he's a he's a three level receiver. Really strong after the catch, strong hands, can create separation, and and, and a guy that just knows how to get open, um, and present a really strong uh, catch, a very strong target for his quarterback. Um, and of course, Robbie Anderson being the deep threat that he is, they, you know, and stuff like that. Tight end position isn't as prevalent. There's there's some untapped potential with Tommy Trimble, but we'll see how that goes. But uh, defensively, you know, they got they have the guys to get to rush for and drop seven, you know, you know, with their front four and, you know, Brian Burns being the star of that defensive line with Yitoros Grosmatos um, and, and, and Marquise Haynes, you know, solid linebacker core as well. But that secondary is really, really talented. You know, they have two top 10 picks at the cornerback position with CJ Henderson and JC Horn, both as outside corners and second round pick a couple years ago, Dante Jackson in the slot, uh, and they move those guys around a little bit. And Jeremy Chen is a do-it-all type of safety. He can play in the nickel. He can play the big dime. He can play single high. He can play split. He does so many different things for that defense, and he hits. He's physical. He knows how to find the football. He's a really tough guy. So this is going to be a team that when, when that matchup does come around, um, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it because this is a physical team uh, from what I've seen at practice when I've gone to their training camp practices. Uh, this summer and, 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 you know, and then even at the game, they want to hit, they want to be physical and you just got to be able to weather that storm early on and, and return fire. And that's, that's going to, I think that's one of the key things for this Arizona Cardinals team is prove that you have the physicality yeah. prove that you can be physical against physical opponents. Can you take a punch in the mouth, stumble, get your bearings and swing back. And that's going to be the key. Right, especially when you're talking about a team that has to take a lot of punches over the first six games of the season. Obviously, the Panthers are one of those teams. Uh, the Cardinals' record has been favorable against Baker Mayfield, pretty unfavorable against uh, the likes of uh, Matt Rule. Cliff Kingsbury has lost to Matt Rule in college and has lost to him uh, at least the last three years in the NFL as well. Uh, Bills, on the other hand, obviously a Super Bowl type of team for the most part. We'll see if they can actually make it to the big dance this year. It's a heck of a, uh, I guess you can say, proving ground in the AFC conference to be able to get through. But, you know, you never rule out a team like Josh Allen that has uh, that talent, that incredible depth as well. Uh, let's shift back and talk about the Cardinals now. We've had two preseason games we get to go off of. Uh, very... I think you could say similar games to some degree. Uh, the Cardinals end up dropping both. They have a little bit of a late push. Ultimately, end up losing both in the end. Obviously, the only thing that doesn't matter in preseason, as they say, is the score. But when you're not playing your starters, when you're seeing some guys at least that you had on the team 
um, kind of get a little bit nicked up, bringing in some other players from outside. There's definitely, I think, a difference when it comes to the Cardinals as far as this offseason um, because of how we've seen a few of their players and their additions have gotten time in the preseason to get ready for what should be a huge role in the regular season. Uh, the biggest thing, of course, with this is the Cardinals make a trade earlier in the week. Uh, they trade for Cody Ford, the former o- Oklahoma uh, kind of right tackle slash interior offensive lineman, kind of a do-it-all guy. Uh, first thing at least you thought was, all right, this is not a cornerback. That's like the first thing the Cardinals fans noticed. Uh, the second thing at least was questions about if Justin Pugh was going to be a fine or Marquise Hayes, their seventh-round pick, not Haynes. We mentioned earlier about Hayes. Uh, mm-hmm. They seem to be beat up, and the Cardinals' depth in the interior for one reason or another, has seemed to be a little bit weaker the last couple of years. Uh, last year, we saw with Max Garcia, he ends up taking over, starts a lot of the season for Josh Jones, starts at center for Rodney Hudson. Um, they were missing kind of that depth interior guy. They liked Justin Murray. He's got a $2 million cap hit this year, um, meaning that he's probably got a higher cap hit, cap hit, I should say, than quite a few of the other players on the team. Uh, if they can move ahead with Cody Ford and like him better for depth, maybe for even a starting role next year, if Justin Pugh decides to hang it up once and for all, um, there's at least a lot to like there with the move the Cardinals make. You give up a fifth-round pick, you get a guy in the last year of his deal, and he goes out there and overall plays pretty well, gets pretty good grades overall as far as the run game goes. Obviously, he's played before in this type of offense, not necessarily Cliff Kingsbury's, but played with Kyler Murray in college. I think this is one of those moves that seems savvy because while we've talked about the Cardinals have struggled to land different draft picks, we can talk about how Steve Keim, in a lot of ways, they seem to have a good job of IDing pro players who teams are either moving on from or feel that they can upgrade from. And the Cardinals bring those guys in, seem to rehabilitate them. Uh, you can look at James Conner last year. I think that there's other players, at least you can say down the line. One of those, I think Kelvin Beecham being a great one. Um, and they're trying this again with the likes of Will Hernandez. The question, I think, is going to be if there's enough time before the season to get him up to speed. It's why you're at least grateful that there's about, <laughs> you know, at least another uh, 10 to 12 days, I should say, about now before the actual season starts. Uh, what were your thoughts on the trade for the most part before we kind of talk about the standouts from the preseason game? Because that's honestly been, I think, the biggest move the Cardinals have made. Well, as most fans at the time of this recording are bemoaning the fact that they have not traded for a cornerback. They've cut a couple of cornerbacks, and it remains to be seen if they will still sign anyone off the street. Yeah, I mean, with the Cody Ford um, trade, I, I was I actually liked the trade You know, for the most part. He was someone that, you know, started out at tackle um, for the Buffalo Bills. It didn't work out, and, and they kicked him inside. But for him, you know, for me, what it kind of speaks to is I look at him, I look at the the acquisition of Will Hernandez earlier this offseason, it feels like this is a team that might be foreshadow or foreshadowing or signaling we may want to be a little more powerful, a little more physical at the point of attack up front and be more of a downhill running team with a James Conner in the backfield, right? So, uh, and, and as you alluded to, the potential. Now, he's coming, you know, going into the last year of his deal, which means to resign both both him and Hernandez, right? To, if, if, if Justin Pugh goes and w- walks off into, you know, walks into the sunset and he retires and 
if Rodney Hudson retires and you look at a Lucinda Smith, you look at um, even a Marquise Haynes, uh, as potential replacements at center, and you can sign to pretty team-friendly cheap deals, you look at, uh, you know, Cody Ford and Will Hernandez. And if you can, if those two guys who are two physical, uh, vertical pushers in the run game, and, you know, especially that, that again, at the end of the day, a lot of it's, and I think I talked about this all last season with, with the offensive line, when Hudson went down and Pew was good all season, and but Max Garcia was was a problem. And he was an issue. And Kyler wasn't comfortable. The run game wasn't comfortable. Like, it was a lot of things that was offset when he was playing prominent snaps, right? So, because the right guard situation was never a solidified, just comfortable spot last season. Josh Jones was rotating in and out of there. Will Hernandez was in and out of there. It, you know, I think Murray, it, it was just a lot of different faces um, that just did not speak well of the position. But now you have competition. You have depth uh, as well. Whenever Marquise uh, Haynes, uh, Hayes does return, when he does come back to the to the lineup, and uh, like I said, you do have Lucille Smith and, and and these two guys. So I like the Cody Ford pick. Um, I'm, I'm definitely hoping that it works out so that they can sign if, and have some solidarity and cohesiveness on the front line at a cost-efficient price, where it's not going to break the bank. You don't have to worry about trying to draft those positions in this coming draft. You can actually focus on the spot that you talked about that people were kind of upset they didn't trade for, and that's a corner. Um, I, I don't think they're going to make a trade for a cornerback this 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 um, before the season. Um, I don't see there, – there are not a lot of high-end corners that teams are willing to part ways with. So I think they're going to roll with what they have. And just hope that the pass rush can help. But um, that was, yeah, that, that's how I felt about the about the Cody Ford thing, uh, about the uh, the trade. I, I liked it. It wasn't you didn't give up too much in terms of the preseason. The the young man Wooten Chandler Wooten out of uh, Auburn. Like I love everything I saw from this from this guy. You know, he he was able to identify run versus pass, quick trigger downhill. He knows how to evade blocks and get away. He attacks downhill with some ferociousness, some physicality. He, you know, he has a nose for the football. Uh, he got an interception this preseason as well. And he just did a lot of good things. And I'm really not sure why he went undrafted, um, you know, but because he's a good player, you know, he showed the athleticism, he showed the things that you want to see. And for me, the reason why I like him shining and, and showcasing his ability so much is because now, you know, you got Zay, you have Zayvon Collins, you you have I think Nick Virgil at the other center linebacker spot, at the other linebacker spot. Now with Wooten putting his hat in the mix and his, well, his name in the hat rather, that allows you can kind of be comfortable with just allowing Isaiah Simmons to be that defensive chess piece. Let him move around the same way he did when he was at Clemson. Mm -hmm. Put him in the nickel, drop him as, as a big safety. Maybe you want to bring, you know play him deep and bring Buda Baker up forward toward closer to the line of scrimmage and let him blitz and create havoc uh, in, in the low area, right? Be a, right. be a robber in, in sorts. So I really like that. Uh, Victor Dimukeji, which I, we talked about, you know, on two weeks ago, just him, him flashing and, and, and showing his, his ability to set hard edges in the run game and get to the quarterback. And if, I personally, this is what I believe is that the releasing of Devon Kennard I think D Victor Dimukeji had a big part of that, you know, because him and Maje and Cam, 
and then of course Jesse Maketa, and a lot of these other guys that they have can kind of do what Kennard was able to do because he was more of a run defender than a pass rusher anyway. Um, he wasn't like a true pass rusher off the edge. So those, um, and of course I got to shout out the, the two receivers, the two star receivers, man, <laughs> Andy Isabella and Greg Dorch. Both of those guys came into this preseason and, as someone who ne- I've never been on the Andy Isabella train. Um, I will say that I am, um, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased with how he played this preseason. Um, you know, he, he did a lot of things well and, just making the plays, and he made those plays on the outside. Uh, he, he he did not have, like, he wasn't forced into the slot all the time. He was able to create separation, catch the ball. He still catches the ball with his body and with his chest, which I'm not a huge fan of because a defender bang down is going to dislodge because the, the, the term is, you know, separate ball from body. But he, he, you know, caught the ball. I think he had a big catch and run in the recent pre, in the last preseason game, coming out of slot, working on a shallow drag, caught the ball, you know, uh, kind of gave a dead leg and, and a little juke move and, and, and got a lot of yards after the catch. And of course, Greg Dorch just separating, uh, making, you know, just consistent routine plays. He was working as a guy, he was working underneath. He did a lot of different things. And um, I'm really, I'm really pleased with both of those guys, man. Just what they were able to do, you know, knowing that none of the true starters were playing in these in this preseason, not really in none of them. And these guys came into every game, and and the teams knew that hey, these are the starters for the Arizona Cardinals, and they still were able to make plays and get open consistently. Absolutely, and that's one of the reasons why I think that we can expect. Uh, that for sure Greg Dorch will be on the team and that Andy Isabella, I think that he's cemented his spot. If not on the Cardinals, then I think that it will be a, a place where, you know, maybe you could say the Cardinals were showcasing. Maybe you say that with DeAndre Hopkins, you're looking at the health status of Antoine Wesley. Uh, we had not gotten to see what Andy Isabella could do. We had seen that he had a long way to go from that first training camp. He came in in 2019. And to be honest, with small school guys that end up having to develop into slot receivers, we probably expect more from them quicker, um, just due to some of those guys who do come into the NFL and deliver quickly um, because they get slept on. He was a second-round pick who's expected to kind of be the Cardinals' deep threat. And when you look at the comparisons to guys like Wes Welker, to a Julian Edelman, um, even to a Danny Amendola, those guys didn't really have an impact until like year four, year five in the league. Um, for him to be able to come in and... Uh, being able to essentially show out, showcase not just that speed, but like you said, the ability to break some yardage. Uh, that catch and run was almost identical to one he had against the 49ers uh, in his, I believe, rookie season. Um, it just is one of the spots where when you talk about his impact, it does kind of feel like it's almost too little too late. And even still up into the end, I think what I saw from Greg Dorch and even with his extra return ability, you feel pretty confident that you can let him go and you'll be able to have with not just Dorch as a backup, but recognizing that these are all guys playing behind the Rondale Moores, the Hollywood Browns. Arizona just happens to have a ton of depth this year. And if Andy does make it onto the roster, you can say that it's a huge plus as far as for his situation for the most part. And also maybe that there's teams that will be looking to snap him up, but will not want to necessarily give up draft pick compensation. Uh, I think that it was fun to see him and I guess the other quarterbacks go out. He really did, and this is, I think, one of the avenues of 
when you talk about the player development, did show off not just much more route recognition or ability to you know identify man versus zone. Did show physical ability as well to be able to get off of some of that press coverage, drawing a couple of flags, um, like you said, extending his hands to the ball. Uh, it's one of the spots where you can say that if he's on the roster, you don't. I think last year a lot of fans felt like Andy was on the roster because he was a second round pick. This year, you feel like he would have earned his place onto the roster. And personally, I hope that he's able to catch on with a different team because I would hate to see him be on the Cardinals and either get cut later in the year when Hopkins comes back um, where he's just not able to. I'd love to see him be on a team where he could be making plays, getting some starts out there uh, on Sunday. That would be, I think, what would be probably best for him because if he is having to start out there, you know, the Cardinals have had quite a plethora of injuries and that's not what you want to have at the position uh let's talk at least a little bit about just some of the uh other top performers that we've seen the biggest one i think at least um that fans have been looking at is the cornerbacks we've seen some decent play enough from christian matthew uh josh jackson at least had a dropped interception was physical but was released and cut by the team today along with cornerback jace whitaker I think a lot of what fans have looked at ultimately seems to hinge around that Antonio Hamilton in the offseason cemented his spot as cornerback two. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury talked about how he was kind of the second corner. He seemed like he had passed up Marco Wilson. Uh, Marco at least maybe had his best game at least uh, in the preseason, but he still gave up some catches, which, you know, obviously is a cornerback. It's not something that you want to see, but it's not, I guess, the expectation for everyone. It does feel like, based off of Cliff Kingsbury's comments, said that they're not sure of his availability for week one, talked about how it could be a little bit slim. Uh, as far as being able to have just corners be able to go out there, there's not really been any indication from the team as to what his injury is. Apparently there was a doctor's appointment. They haven't mentioned if it was a injury that needed anything um you know, as far as with either surgery or anything else whatsoever. We don't know if it's an off-field area. We don't know if it's anything psychological. It's been a huge mystery around Antonio Hamilton. And as a result, I think that the biggest thing that we can say is is not just that the Cardinals um, could or should, I think, go out. I think it's more just the question of when they will go out. And I think the extent, because, Damien, if the Cardinals go out there, they sign two cornerbacks and get cut by another team off the street, and that's the only move they make. They don't resign a Robert Alford. They don't bring in any veterans. They don't make a trade for a cornerback before cut down time or maybe just after cut down day. It really feels like the Cardinals would have been trying and trying to bring someone into this room, but they just would be out of luck is I think what it would feel like if that ends up being the move that they have to make. You may almost have to look at an in-season type of move to try to pluck a cornerback off of a team that ends up out of it and that would probably be i think the worst case scenario if you're talking about for this team um because ultimately right now their their depth for the most part that had already been pretty testy it seems like it's getting even testier now the good news if they cut josh jackson i said this earlier uh today on uh, twitter if they did cut josh jackson that means that it's not necessarily about quantity. It means that they believe that they can at least improve the quality of the cornerback room. I think that means that there's at least someone that they have in mind to bring in. Otherwise, you would have simply kept the guy who's on the roster and is here in camp if there was nothing better out there. The fact they released him um, and he had at least come on at a decent start to camp but just didn't have the ability, I think, to stick for what they're looking for. 
I think that that's at least an indication that we should be seeing a corner on this team pretty soon. Uh, I mean, it, it would be it would be great if they could, right? Like you know, there's a you know there's Greedy Williams. Uh, there's there's a few solid options, I guess you could say. Uh, you know, you could think about what they have in in Washington. I think William Jackson is someone that they could probably look into, see if he's available because uh, he he was never really a fit for that scheme anyway. He's more of a press man corner, and they they were more they ran a ton of zone last year, and it just it put them in compromising positions. Um, you know, it's it's always best to just play to no matter what your scheme is, coaches play to which with the tools of your players. Because uh, it doesn't really make sense to run a scheme and you don't have the tools to run your scheme. So maybe they try to, you know, pluck a guy like that. Um, if the, you know, middle of the season, the, the trade deadline and things are just not looking um, looking good. But uh, it, it, it would be helpful to bring in, in, in some type of talent at, at corner, excuse me, that can compete and put pressure on the guys that are in there to play better. Like to me, Kimes' inability and his, his, I would say, almost just lacking thereof. Like, yes, you were not, and, um, you know, you've gone to the back, back, you know, off seasons last year and this year uh, to get, you know, some, some help there in terms of cheap options, right? Malcolm Butler retired and, um, you know, the, I'm uh, blanking on his name right now, the young man that they signed and, he ended up passing away in the car accident. Um, I don't know why I'm blanking on his name at the moment, but uh, I get it. Jeff Gladney. Jeff Gladney's the guy you're looking Gladney, for. Gladney, right? yes, yeah. yeah. Jeff Gladney, and it's like you know, and Gladney, I think would have been a really good option if that unfortunate, tragic incident did not happen. But it's like again, you know, you have to. It's like okay, if the other, the guys on the roster aren't. If there's no improvement, right? Like you're not putting in them, putting them on notice to improve because you haven't truly upgraded the position, or you have not viewed it as a position to upgrade. So it's going to be interesting. I hope they do bring in some more, some some more uh, capable uh, bodies at the cornerback position that can actually play and even threaten Antonio Hamilton for playtime, Marco Wilson for playtime. Let's put some pressure. Um, they always say pressure bursts pipes, but Pressure also creates diamonds. And when you have, you know, a player that could be a diamond, you might want to put some pressure on them. You need to see what you have. You see the what you have is just a bunch of pipes that are going to burst, or you may find a diamond if you put a little pressure underneath them. Um, so I, that uh, puts some pressure on them rather. So that's what I'm hoping for. Bring in some 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 talent in the cornerback room, please. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone can agree. Let's uh, kind of wrap up with this preseason talk, and then we can talk about the final 53. Um, I think that it was Zayvon Collins, maybe his best game uh, that we've seen out of him. Uh, he had a high uh, run defending grade. It looked like that there's still some issues with using his arms, but he went in, made a physical tackle, blowing up an offensive lineman on the way to a running back. It seems like he's at least gotten the read and react, as Cliff Kingsbury talked about, the uh, just kind of the ability to see what's happening in front of you and then being able to instantaneously go for it. There's probably going to be still some development as far as when it comes back to the more complex zone coverages, um, when it's going to come back to maybe some more exotic uh you know, blitz looks, whether it's having to read someone at the line and then hand off responsibilities to someone else, that may need some work. But overall, it feels like 
that he's gotten to a point where you feel like he should be on the field. He should be playing. Uh, he's going to have Nick Vigil, who's a veteran, next to him. And I think that is one of the things that we saw last year was, as a rookie, he simply was not ready to be out there. He got injured his uh, first year as well. Um, seemed like it was a shoulder injury. Maybe it was a similar area where tried to um, you know barrel in with his shoulder into someone, didn't use his hands as much. That's something I think that we can look at as a positive of still seeing how he was able to make plays around the ball. And I think that Marco Wilson, obviously, is a guy who's going to get some playing time. Uh, unfortunately, it seems like he would be that fourth cornerback, I think would be his best spot for now, where you're able to see him come into more of a substitute role, uh, being able to have kind of maybe a rotation in with cornerback number three. Um, and right now it feels right that the Cardinals' three starters are um, – Essentially, Byron Murphy and your cornerback two right now is Marco Wilson, with maybe corner three being you know, Isaiah Simmons in the slot. Um, I do think that we did learn a, quite a bit about uh, the Cardinals' pass rush this last year. Now, I think that these guys still have not proven anything in the NFL. It's still one of the weaker spots for Arizona. I think that there's a couple of veteran pass rushes we've talked about that they could go ahead and sign. Maybe they're saving that cap room for an extension. Uh, but we get to get to see MyJ Sanders be able to show that speed and burst. Uh, Cam Thomas had two sacks. One was unblocked, but he did at least seem to show a decent bull rush in his game, especially uh, the last game against the Titans. And Victor Dumukeji, who had multiple sacks, he did not play at all in that final preseason game. Some speculated that may be good for his chances to make the roster unless he was going to be traded. I think we've gotten our decision today with the Cardinals cutting the veteran Devon Kennard. Uh, this is a weird move, I think, for the Cardinals. His salary is already fully guaranteed. It's almost like there's no reason to cut him. What it does show, I think, at least is faith in the Cardinals GM and in the coaching staff in their young pass rushers. Essentially, like you said, pressure making diamonds, putting them onto the field. Um, wanting to see what they're made of. I would love if they could obviously add another veteran somewhere along the way to kind of replace Devon Kennard. Maybe we'll see after cuts uh, what that would look like. Um, someone in addition to Marcus Golan who could be able to kind of help, uh, you know, the two guys who are there at least, especially who need the most help, are going to be MyJ Sanders and... Um, Cam Thomas, who I think is going to be in the process of learning kind of that edge rush position, rotating in. And long term, I think you see him slide into that defensive end spot. Uh, he's still a little bit of that 4-3, 3-4 tweener, as we've talked about before on this podcast. Uh, but again, you're talking, I think, at least about showing stuff in the preseason where I don't think the Cardinals will replace Chandler Jones. I don't think they're going to upgrade it from Chandler Jones. Far from it. But you don't feel like that they're going to be taking a step back to where you're devoid at the pass rush situation. There's at least some promise there. And um, we'll see also how that means for one Jesse Luchetta, who had a very strong uh, tackle in one of the games as well, getting upfield, kind of bowling a guy over. It's always been kind of that type of... Um, Big athletic playmaking that you'll see with a guy who maybe not are the tallest guys in the world at 6'2", but are able to understand things like leverage, understanding that ability. I'm excited to at least see where these young guys go for the pass rush this year. And um, it's, I think, definitely a positive that the Cardinals could go into this offseason and find two third-round picks. And I think a guy who is a fifth-rounder, unless I'm mistaken, or even a sixth-rounder in Dimbukeji, who at least have enough promise right now to be able to for all we know, make the 53. No, 100%. And it's it's 
a guy like Jesse Lucchetta is going to help you, I think, be a big factor on special teams. He could be a special teams ace. But I can tell you, he, he's going to he's going to continue to add and bring high energy and high motor 24-7, uh, no matter what the situation is. And, and I, I loved, uh, you know, just being around him, you know, at the Senior Bowl and just being able to see that live and in person. And, and he's a hitter. He's a versatile guy who plays stacked off-ball linebacker and defensive end. Um, so he's someone that can that should to me make this roster. Um, he's a leader, uh, you know. He like I said, he's a great locker room guy as well. So at least even early on, he brings that to the table. Uh, but you know, with Zayvon Collins, I definitely want to see him just do a better job using his hands, stacking and keeping him keeping his chest clean, and um, you know, and then attacking downhill, attack downhill with physicality. Um, you know, punish these offensive linemen for for not climbing up to you or, or if you see a puller punish them don't don't allow them to create wide open running lanes and don't let them just climb to you you meet them and and, and give them that jolt that what we call stack you know shock and shed shock them with your hands extend and then shed and make a play on the football so uh, i'm i'm excited like and you brought up a good point about maybe you have uh isaiah simmons as the cornerback three of the nickel corner while you have Byron Murphy and Marco Wilson or Byron Murphy, Antonio Hamilton, whichever one uh, they decide to go with as the uh, CB1 and CB2 in those nickel sets. That's actually really interesting. And I kind of like that idea uh, just a little bit as well. Um, you, bring, you you can run three safeties um, as well and take a linebacker off the field on passing downs and have as much speed and athleticism on the field to cover as much as many blades of grass as possible, um, you know, force teams to play underneath, and then you rally to the football. So it's going to be interesting overall just to see how everything unfolds. Um, like I said, they're not going to be able to re- truly replace um, Chandler Jones with the group that they have now. Uh, you know, only only option I think that really truly was available that they could look to would be calling up the Chicago Bears about Robert Quinn. Uh, who was one of the better pass rushers, and I believe he just signed an extension with them not too long ago. So it shouldn't be it shouldn't be a situation where you have to pay immediately, but it just depends, you know, where Chicago feels they are. Like if they feel like, hey, we're like three years away, two years away, and they want draft picks, whatever, you know, you try to send them a second or a third and, and see if they'll be happy with that. Um, if they want a first, I say absolutely not. Um, you just go ahead and roll with you have. Because uh, this is a very, very talented group, uh, especially the cornerback position. Uh, uh, I'll be really, really frustrated if, if you know if I'm a Cardinals fan and Steve Kahn looks at this cornerback group that's coming in and says, "No, I'm still not drafting one." And it's just like, especially early on. So um, I, I think, like I said, make a lot of great points, Blake, and I, I feel like this is going to be a. I think I said it a couple of episodes ago, a pass rush by committee. You know, mm-hmm. just kind of you know rotating guys, moving guys around, finding. Um, you know, the main thing, simulate pressures and use different alignments and show things pre-snap and send pressure when, ne- you know, send extra pressure when necessary. The, the the only thing with trying to send extra pressure is do you have the corners that you can trust on the island, which I'll be honest with you. I went back and watched some tape from last season and a lot of the some of the best coverage I've seen these cornerbacks was in man coverage. Mm-hmm. It wasn't dropping off in the zone, trying to communicate reading the landmarks from seven, eight yards off coverage yep. uh, with cushion. It's, you know what? You let me cut. You trusted me to come up to the line of scrimmage, play bump and run technique, 
throw off timing, give our pass rush an extra second or two to get in the backfield. And I feel like that, to me, that's why I want to see Vance Joseph grow up and, and grow up as a pass, as, as, as a as a defensive coordinator in terms of realizing, like, hey, you know what? This this zone stuff is not it's not working. Like, because I, you can run a lot of different you can you can run a lot of different route concepts to force miscommunication against zone. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, when when it's man coverage, it's like, hey, I got this guy. I got you. You. That's all you have to say. If they come out in the stack and this man and this three by one set and it's a bunch set. Hey, Marco, I got outside. If he crossed and you take him like it's simple communication. It's a little different when you're dropping off in the zone. Like I got deep thirds, mm-hmm. but what if there's nobody going deep thirds and that that guy that's in my region is breaking off on a dig route. But my linebacker has been sucked in from my inside button hook. Do I leave deep third? Yes, you leave deep thirds. And you go get that that dig and play it play behind it. You know, just to make sure that you know that you can can be in the vicinity. So it's it's a lot of different things that that need need to happen and could happen. But um, I, I, I'm being intrigued to see how this season turns out. I mean, we start week one. No, they start week one with the Kansas City Chiefs, a revamped Kansas City Chiefs without the Tyreek Hill threat. But from what I, I watched, some of the, I watched the tape, the All 22 of the Chiefs offense and they're running more standardized concepts. They're running the football. They're forcing teams like, okay, you want to play too high? That's fine. We're going to check it down. We're going to throw it short. We're going to scheme it short. Now you got to come up and tackle our explosive weapons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think last year that was that was something we saw about the Chiefs too was how when they did shift or adjusted, they were throwing it to Tyreek short, but – the way that their offense needed to work was obviously getting tight ends more involved. Teams were very anxious to take away Tyreek Hill's deep speed, anxious to take away Travis Kelsey by jamming him at the line. And I think what we've seen is kind of a revamped Chiefs offense that may mirror what we see as far as a revamped Cardinals offense. I think the Cardinals, and we may see this depending on if they keep um, four tight ends or not, will be trying to run the ball more. Um, We'll also be still trying to, I think, stretch the field with Hollywood in those one-on-one looks. Um, But as we saw last year, the Cardinals ran into the same issue where they were, you know, trying to essentially um, feed the guys in Christian Kirk on those deep throws, trying to get it outside to A.J. Green. And when Hopkins went down, they just didn't have kind of that beater and... When they still kept taking those same deep shots, teams were prepared for them. So I think that we will see for the Cardinals this year um, ultimately what could be a very different offense, but one that I think would be maybe more of, like you said, for the Chiefs, a complete offense. Um, Cardinals obviously have featured DeAndre Hopkins in the past. Last year they kind of evolved to be a team that was able to have a much more flourishing passing attack. They were able to actually attack the intermediate more often. This year, you'd love to see them be able to have a full-fledged offense that when teams slide those two corners or play to the outside, the Arizona's able to take advantage with some different run looks and also be able to hit those tight ends or even hit some of these slot receivers like Rondale Moore or like Hollywood Brown on some of these over-the-middle routes um, with enough protection for Kyler Murray in front, which is probably going to need that second tight end at times for some of these different looks. Um, Even if you're having to get under center, having to turn your back to the defense for that play-action look, if that's what you got to do, even if you're uncomfortable with that with Kyler Murray, you want to see that growth and you'll want to 
push him. Uh, let's talk a little bit now if we come after the break. We'll go over kind of some look at the final 53. Uh, who are some of the players that are on the bubble we think will be on the cards, who will be off, and then we'll do a little bit of NFL wrap-up at least as we go. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Welcome back to the ROTB pod. As Blake here with Damian. We're talking now with the Arizona Cardinals 53-man roster. The Cardinals have made several cuts already. Uh, we've seen them cut Jace Whitaker, the cornerback. They've cut Josh Jackson, the corner. They've also uh, released a couple other players as well. The standout being uh, Devon Kennard, as we mentioned earlier. It's unfortunate for Kennard. He takes a pay cut to kind of stay with the team from his original three-year deal. Ends up getting released anyway. The salary, fortunately, was fully guaranteed. It's part of the reason why, rather than simply looking at cap stuff or you know cash flow, that's one of the things that teams navigate very well. Um, they also, I believe, at least have released Jace Whitaker, the cornerback and uh, Coda Martin and Joe Walker, two other linebackers. Now, the one that stood out to me there, Damian, out of all of those names was Joe Walker. And the reason why is because Walker, ever since 2019, he's been a fixture of the cards inside linebacker room. He just hasn't been a permanent fixture in the room. He's been on the roster, off the roster, on the roster, off the roster. He's a valuable special teams player who is able to just be good enough in coverage. He's just, you know, he's small and not as athletic as you need for the NFL. So by releasing him this early versus in that second layer of cuts, that makes me think that Chandler Wooten may actually have a chance, maybe not just to stick on the practice squad. It makes me wonder if there's a shot for him on the roster as well. Now, it would take, of course, for this to happen. Cardinals would have to keep five inside linebackers. Uh, you're assuming Zayvon Collins is on the roster. Nick Vigil's on the roster. We saw Tanner Vallejo not play. He's a guy that Cardinals have had as kind of fill-in duty, almost it's like the kind of the pinch hitter almost at inside linebacker. Uh, we saw him in 2020 come in and play well against the Seattle Seahawks when they lost both of their starting inside linebackers to injury, and Isaiah Simmons was having to fill in next to Tanner Vallejo. And then Zeke Turner, the guy who caught a, I think it was either throwing, I think it was he's the guy who threw one of these, um, no, he did catch one of the fake punts. I believe it was against uh, the Eagles, unless I'm mistaken, a few years ago. Core special teamer, solid inside linebacker, has that uh, kind of bare-knuckles brawler mentality you like to see coming out of the University of Washington. Uh, just like his other fellow teammates, Buda Baker and Byron Murphy. Do you think the Cardinals should keep Chandler Wooten on here as a fifth linebacker? Or is this more of kind of a guy that you maybe practice squad see for the future? Because... I have to say, if Isaiah Simmons is going to be playing a lot more safety this year, perhaps you don't look at it as six inside linebackers, but maybe you look at it as five inside linebackers and a hybrid player. No, I agree. I, I would keep Wooten um, just for the simple fact that, like you said, you move, you, you can. It allows more, more versatility, more flexibility in terms of alignment and. And not be so static, and you can move a guy like Isaiah Simmons around without um, without some of the headaches. So I, I would prefer to to I would definitely prefer to roll with Isaiah. You know Isaiah uh, Simmons be able to move around, play the the nickel, play some safety, like you said. Um, heck, depending on the matchup, you know maybe play some outside receiver if it's a tight end splitting out there because he has the size and athleticism to 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 play and and move and run with them. And I think Wooten 
should be somebody that they they, they work into the lineup. You know, I, he showed me that he can play in this league, and, and he he showed the toughness, that the the IQ. He showed a lot of different things, and I I think if I'm the Cardinals, I don't want that to be ignored. So I would absolutely roll with um, you know, roll roll, roll with uh, keeping Wooten as the fifth linebacker because I think just by off a of position, he may see um, he he may uh, play. Just a little bit more than um, than some people would expect. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that's super important. Uh, like you said, you're finding these guys now. The reason, of course, with Wooten as to part of why he went undrafted is um, just looking at him versus some of the other players that you're talking about, as far as with the three cone drill. Um, ran a seven two eight, which is kind of a little bit lower, and it also ran about I think it was in the four eights as far as for kind of his average forty time. Usually, you like to see your inside linebackers probably near four six for the most athletic, four seven for kind of the middle of the road. Uh, Jordan Hicks, uh, for example, I believe that he ran a four was it four six four six eight? Yep, for the forty yard dash. And I don't think the forties a capable measuring of everything. It's more of just a sign of if you're going to be, say, a guy who's an inside linebacker and you recognize that you may have to have these guys who can cover these super athletic freaks. Um, You can see how the Cardinals struggled against Isaiah Likely in the preseason. Um, You can see that's part of why they spent a top 10 pick on the likes of Isaiah Simmons, why they pay all that money to bring Jordan Hicks in. Um, Even with the likes of a Kyle Pitts now, you've got these incredible freaky guys who teams are flexing them in line, finding these crazy mismatches. Um, so that's one of the avenues of where you have hope for him to develop. It's just different than, I think, your raw set of tools. Now, fortunately for the Cardinals, I think that he's been a solid enough find, and you can even see when guys decline physically, as long as their mental aspect is there, um, they're at least able to contribute for teams. We'll see. I think that he's shown enough, like you said, to get a spot on the roster. Um and I think that I would look forward to seeing what we could get out of Chandler Wooten. Some guys you end up talking about if you're an undrafted find and you make the roster three years in a row, like you can say that's a successful find in the NFL. It's really weird to think of it through that term. And normally you'd say, well, you want to find a guy who's a superstar, as I think, or you want to you know, find a guy who contributes and gets a second contract. But this is like the top 1% of athletes in the world you're talking about here <laughs> who can play the game of football. So this is the standards for this are crazy. And I think the Cardinals being able to find a gem like a Chandler Wooten who can stick onto the team. That's a win, at least for you right there with your personnel department. Um, let's go and talk about one of the bigger elephants in the room. I wouldn't put together kind of a projection of the 53 man roster. Most people have had Trace McSorley, the quarterback out of Penn State on it. I had him off just because looking at the team and the roster, I think you might be able to sneak him back, if not onto the practice squad. I don't know if you want to keep a Jared Guarantano on the practice squad. I saw at least enough from him that I could see him being on. I could see them moving off from him and bringing someone new in, similar to what they did last year with Chris Treffler. Uh, The Cardinals really might like Trace McSorley enough, and you have to wonder if there's a team that would want to kind of pick him up Maybe just to know a little more about Arizona's offense. Maybe there's, you know, a little bit more of a, a guy who's similar to Kyler Murray as far as not necessarily the athlete, but the way he plays the game. He understands the offense. He'll test coverage downfield. Um, he'll bail a pocket if needs be and look to throw. It feels kind of like 
trending toward keeping him on the roster. Colt McCoy obviously has not been healthy up until this week. He's had uh, arm issues, it sounded like. Um, he should be good to go for the regular season is what all indications seem to be. But it does have you wonder, is there a good reason to keep three quarterbacks on the roster this year? I lean no, personally. I could still see it. What would you say as far as if the Cardinals should keep Trace or is the idea of developing young quarterbacks to potentially, you know, flip them down the road or even a long-term successor if Colt McCoy decides that he's done at the end of this year? I think it was a two-year deal he signed. If you end up wanting to move on one way or the other, um, do you think it's worth keeping McSorley and using up a 53 spot for him for the season? Um... I say no. I, I feel like there's other needs uh, to keep depth, um, you know, wide receiver, corner especially. I say you try, you release him and allow him to clear waivers and then just bring him back on the practice squad. Um, I'd rather try to keep his depth as, as many at the more pertinent and important information rather than um, a third uh, backup quarterback, especially if Colt is back healthy. Um, you know, he got us through a couple games in the pinch last last year, um, and, and did it and did it uh, in a solid fashion as well. So that's just uh, that's what I would prefer to do. Yeah, I think that makes some sense. We'll have to see what happens for each of those, but it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Uh, let's see at least and talk a little bit now about what the defensive line. Now the offensive line we'll get to here, but the defensive line I think has shown some clarity. Um, the biggest question, I think, at least here, is we've seen Lucky Foe, too. I really liked him coming out. I felt like he was your traditional nose tackle, about 330 pounds, who actually showed some pass rushing ability. Uh, he just has not been able to stay healthy for Arizona. With bigger players, sometimes that can be an issue. Um, instead, we've seen Richard Lawrence kind of seemingly ascend into that spot. Uh, we've also talked about how I think Michael Dogby, um, he's just one of those players that just seems to stick for the most part for you. It was, I think, so far been a solid pick. He may get some more playing time this year. The two players, I think, that are competing for one to two spots, uh, if we assume that Jonathan Ledbetter and Zach Allen are on the roster, are the undrafted free agent Manny Jones, who I know that they do like, and then there's Antoine Woods, a guy who's an undrafted free agent. Uh, it was originally signed by the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, he's a veteran long time. He was back in the league uh, ever since, I think, 2016. So you're talking about a guy who is about 6'1", about 330. Um, he's played well, I think, this preseason. It feels like that they love the upside of Jones enough that I think that he could be on the roster. The question is, would you want to cut a fourth-round pick from a couple of years ago? Um, whether it's health or not, give him a fresh start somewhere else to keep someone who's a bit of an older veteran um, would you want to end up looking at, you know, someone like a, um, you know, Jonathan Ledbetter hitting uh, the free agency market? Uh, there seems to be, I think, at least in a lot of cases, what I feel like the Cardinals could do is what Steve Kimes has done in the past is he'll usually keep his draft picks on the roster over other uh, veterans unless that veteran ends up kind of outplaying him. So for now, I've got, I think, Lecky Foe, too. Depending on his health, I could see him maybe if injuries are serious enough. Maybe you try to IR, see if you can stash him, come back for the most part in that last fourth year of that rookie deal. Is he still pretty cheap? But it really feels like that, at least to me, 
I would be a little bit surprised if Antoine Woods was cut. Manny Jones is a guy that I think is truly on the bubble. I could see him being brought back instantly onto the practice squad should he clear waivers for the cards. Yeah, I, I actually I like Manny um, Manny Jones a lot because especially you know against teams that you know there's a lot of zone running uh, zone blocking schemes in terms of the run game in the NFL and the Rams do a lot of it especially uh, San Fran and that Kyle Shan- that Shanahan zone uh, zone scheme itself um, and, and you know when a team like Seattle they kind of do a little bit of both. But I would absolutely look at keeping Manny Jones because he has the quickness, the length, um, and understanding of leverage to slice uh, in between those zone blocks and those reach blocks. Um, instead of being washed down, he not only will he slice through and get into the gap, then he works his way into the backfield and, and flashes colors, which can then deter the running back and make him string the, string the run out. He can't because I guess that's really all the zone blocking scheme is really created to do. It's a force defender's uh, lateral. Uh, create cutback lanes for one cut runners. Um, and when you are able to create penetration and uh, flash your colors in those gaps, it then forces the running back to stay the course outside. And a lot of them, once you, once you string them out too far to the sideline, they don't have anywhere to go anyway. So right. I, I, I would like to see Manny Jones possibly still make it onto this roster. And for me, I, I like I said, I have to continue to say uh, from a standpoint of talent, just guys who play well, guys with strong motors, um, you know, Antoine Woods is a veteran and and all that and I and I appreciate and I appreciate that aspect. But I'm inclined that if I was going to get rid of one of the guys, I actually would get rid of Woods over Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'd agree you know, there. Just because of the 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 pass rush upside of Manny Jones to where because like I, I I think I'm pretty adamant about it. I'm not a big Zach Allen fan. Um, you know he's never really he's got he came in the league with shorter arms and. You know, he, he he was always more of an even front defensive end than t- to me than a defensive tackle or DN in a uh, odd front three four type of scheme to because typically you have to two gap and he doesn't have he never showed the power or the arm length to do so. Uh, so like for me, I would I would love to keep Manny Jones because he plays with his hair on fire. He plays with great energy and a great motor. And those are things you want to have on your, on your, on your roster, especially in the defensive line, a guy that wants to get into the backfield as much as possible. Absolutely. No, I I agree with all of those uh, items there. I've got them with six defensive linemen. I I think if you count Jonathan Ledbetter as a edge rusher, I think that might be that Devon Kennard's cutting keeps his spot on the roster um, since I thought that he was a guy who, being a veteran, how they kind of held him out, I felt like he was going to be potentially in with Victor Dimakaji being on the bubble. Instead, it seems like Dimakaji's probably more of a lock for the roster now. Uh, let's switch to the offensive line, and this is where I think the question is very simple. You're not going to mess with the top five. Like, uh, the only question, at least right now, may be who's starting between Justin Pugh and... Uh, Cody Ford just for health reasons. Um, we're pretty certain that Sean Harlow is going to be their backup center. Josh Jones is going to be that backup offensive uh, tackle for them, that swing tackle position. I do think I've seen some Cowboys fans and maybe even some Cardinals fans have questioned about a potential trade since the Cowboys look like they've lost Tyron Smith. It could be for the year. He is just 
had the worst luck, and they've really even sought out, I think, today a trade with the Jets. It did not work out to bring in another backup offensive tackle. I feel like that when you're talking about how Josh Jones has played, he's probably been one of the most impressive performers this preseason. Um, one of the kind of best NFL offensive line evaluators in Brandon Thorne actually highlighted Josh Jones. I'm mean, going to go to his Twitter account, see a little bit of some clips he showed there. Jones has just come into his own, I think, this third year. You still have him under contract at a third-round pick level for next year. So you got two years' worth of contract control. If anything happens to your starting offensive tackles, you don't have to hit free agency. You can just slide him right in there. It feels like that this is a guy that I would prefer to keep on the Cardinals. I think the only exception would be if you have someone who says, hey, we'll take Josh Jones and start him now. We'll give you a corner who'll start for you for the season, and we'll also give you back some pit compensation that you can use to replace him with a rookie in a year. Maybe that's something that could go, but for the most part, I think the bigger question is not whether or not Josh Jones is on the roster. I think that he's been one of the um, highlights. He's a future selling point for this franchise. I love the fact when he fell to the third round. It was like uh, almost on pins and needles, um, waiting to see if he would get past the Miami Dolphins because the Cardinals needed an offensive tackle. We didn't know Kelvin Beecham was going to walk through that door for the next two to three years. So what really it turns into is if you keep nine offensive linemen or ten because the guys who I think at the back of the roster that are questionable here are Marquise Hayes, the offensive guard who's also shown great strength great length, uh, maybe not the most athletic guy but a powerful dude at least, like this kind of fits the mold of what the Cardinals are moving toward in their guard, more of these powerful guys and Lasita Smith is a guy that I think they would like to develop as uh, a long term center, at least as a backup um, I don't know if he's going to be able to start. His arm length, at least, has been one of the reasons why he fell. He's arguably a little bit more athletic than Hayes as a mover. Hayes is just obviously more powerful. The way that everything has worked, I feel like they could get Lasidas onto the practice squad um, because he's moved to center and hasn't looked great. It's his first time playing center. Maybe that's what could have NFL teams not pick him up for the most part. But if the Cardinals feel like they can't be without them, and they found two of these sixth round, or I should say a sixth and a seventh round gem, um, you may have to try to figure something out with them. Marquise Hayes has been hurt. Um, if the Cardinals did decide to IR him for the year, have him be done, maybe that would be kind of an IR stash. We saw them do it with Hakeem Butler a few years ago. Butler was a guy that just had not been performing or doing well in camp, but they liked him enough to keep him. He hurts his wrist. It would be out for maybe six weeks. He goes on to IR for the season. Maybe there's something similar if Marquise Hayes is beat up enough, and that was part of what preempted the Cody Ford trade. I think the question overall, at least, is do you want to keep 10 offensive linemen, or is this more of a place where, and again, this is it's not about you know the... Uh, keeping everyone possible here. You'd love to see every guy make the roster. But with 53 spots, you're probably going to be have to, maybe you're pulling an Andy Isabella off the team. Are you having to cut a Daryl Williams, a Jonathan Warder, a Keontae Ingram? You may have to make that decision between that ninth or 10th lineman and maybe then a Smith decision between Smith or Hayes, Damian. No, uh, you're right. And I mean, for me, it's, it's going to be, t it's, it's a tough sell. Uh, to say 10, I, I definitely keep a swing tackle. For me, I, I look at, you know, we talk about trades, right? Like Kelvin Beecham's contract is up at the end of the season. And, and, and teams that need tackle help, that are view themselves as contenders, right? In my opinion, I think if I'm going to trade anybody or, you know, whatnot, I'm trying to 
try to trade him. Hmm. Um, you know, and, and because from my opinion, you know, seeing what jo- Josh Jones is clearly not a guard; he's a tackle, and he's performed at best, you know, his best at tackle. And you see it, his movement skills, his length, his punch timing, his aggressiveness—all those things. He he was we last year when he was at the the guard position. This was a young man that was nowhere near uh, comfortable. And then you see him this year, this uh, this preseason at tackle. He looks, he's looked the most comfortable he's that he's he since he's great. been in the league. <laughs> yes. So I'm like, you know, you think about um, DJ DJ Humphrey, right? You know, it, it, granted, it was six years ago. So, uh, you know, back in, you know six years ago when he first got into the league, he played right tackle, played over 700 snaps at right tackle. So it's like if you want to just flip them two, or if Josh Jones is com- comfortable himself. Um, playing the right tackle position because it's still a tackle, I would go with that and I would I would let go ahead and let this young man truly develop with the live reps, and, and he's an athletic guy also that matches the athletic athleticism that you have at quarterback uh, to kind of protect him as well. Him and DJ Humphreys could be two solid bookend style tackles, um, and then allow those 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 I call those bouncers that you're that you're looking at on the interior where it could be especially if Justin Pugh's uh injury keeps him out a little bit longer you may see Cody Ford uh Rodney Hudson and Will Hernandez and I'm gonna be honest I like that trio um, of guys especially from a physicality standpoint no no question about that your starting lineup I think for the Cardinals it's the best in years your depth like you said is the best in years it's an interesting concept to trade I, I know that Kelvin Beecham has even said that he loves Sean Kugler so much that he would only play right tackle for Sean Kugler he feels like he's a natural left tackle even got to play left tackle last year for the Cardinals I had wondered if that meant that the Cardinals could look at you know a DJ Humphreys could you trade him for a high pick roll out um Beecham left tackle, Josh Jones at right tackle, and then kind of draft a replacement. It feels like the cards have decided that they're more content to be able to keep a lot more consistency. Um, And for one way or another, hey, like Sean Kugler, it seems that they trust his word a lot. He's always seemed to play veterans for the most part. Last year, I think part of the reason why they shifted Jones in was because they liked Jones, but they wanted him to get on the field. And the only way they could do that, it seemed like, I think, was to try to move him to right guard, which clearly if you're you know, going to be competing against Kelvin Beecham for right guard or learning or for right tackle, I should say, or learning to play right guard, you know, you're going to probably not be beating him out at his tackle spot. Um, it's going to be interesting. It hasn't felt like it's been an open competition, but it does feel like the Cardinals are in a really good spot. This guy's 25 years old. You got him in the third round. You still have another year of control. Um, he's probably, I think, if not going to get the chance at some point this year. We'll see exactly how Kelvin Beecham looks. I think you can say that he'll for sure be out there next year. And the one guy that will be interesting is going to be Josh Miles, a guy who's also looked good. He's played on both the left and right side. It feels like that he's that guy that if you could deal him for a seventh-round pick, he was originally a sixth-round pick. Um... Actually, I think it might have been flipped. If you I think it was originally a seventh rounder, high seventh rounder, if you could maybe flip him into a team that's looking for a developmental tackle for a sixth, that'd be the best case scenario. Otherwise, I think that he would be one of those guys who would just be released. And that's not really a negative on him. It's more just a positive, I think, of not just how the Cardinals have found some of those guys this year in, in this draft that have looked really good. 
um, but also just a sign of your needs. You don't really have a need at tackle to keep Miles around, at least for this year, unless you, like you said, do trade that player away who's older on an expiring deal. Those those kind of players, like, they, they just teams don't really give up draft picks for them unless they're completely desperate. Um, I, I just don't see them kind of moving on from Kelvin Beecham right now. Just feels like there's a comfort level there with him. Uh, I do think it means another team may get a more promising uh, tackle in Josh Miles, a guy who, like we said, you stay on the roster for a couple of years. It's a seventh-round pick. Even if you're released, you can still say it's a success. It's not like you spent a draft pick. This guy came into camp. He just can't play. You cut him, and he immediately leaves. Um, it's difficult in the NFL to be able to make it. So I think that it's definitely a testament to his hard work and um, ability there. Uh, let's go and talk about kind of the last spot here, which is going to be interesting. The we, we've talked about corner already. Like Right now, there's just three guys there. We don't have to probably... We've beaten that horse to death already, as they would say. The safety position is interesting because of a move that happened previously today. You're talking about a cardinal safety room, which right now has uh, two of the best safeties probably in the NFL, and Buda Baker, a guy who's also coming into his own in Jalen Thompson. They've had a decent depth piece who's a big hitter in Deontay Thompson. They've had a similar athletic guy and James Wiggins. Wiggins had a interception, I believe, in the preseason. And he's also been making some plays in special teams. I think that he may be the guy I would think gets the spot on the roster over Deontay. It just feels like his athleticism, just being in the right place a bit more often. There's just been a few too many mental errors or Emmys that Deontay's had. Maybe they like them both. Charles Washington would be the natural pick here, but he's just seemed like he's been hurt the whole season. He's been one of their best special teamers. We haven't seen him practice with being able to be a special teams gunner. It'll be interesting if he is more just kind of put him in, uh, you know, uh, wrap him up, kind of keep him ready for the regular season, or if there is something more going on there. The reason why we bring it up is because Ravens cut safety Tony Jefferson, a vested veteran today. They've got two safeties. They have uh, Washington, I believe it was Williams, Marcus Williams, that they acquired from the Saints, and of course drafted Kyle Hamilton this year. I would say normally, ah, he's probably not going to come back to Arizona. But Hollywood Brown reached out with a Twitter kind of an eyes emoji at him. Tony Jefferson made a little smirk. They're former Ravens teammates. Tony is an avid Phoenix Suns fan. You can follow him. He's very funny as far as how his account goes. Is that kind of bringing a veteran into the room something that you would look for? Or is this kind of a spot where you'd be looking more for these special teamers? Because if you're having Tony, it almost feels like he's your fourth safety is great but like when's where is he gonna play like unless he's playing on special teams you're gonna be looking at buddha baker jalen thompson and of course now playing some more safety and nickel corner in isaiah simmons like i don't know if i'd see the fit but whenever you see players you know get up to stuff on twitter you just never know damien yeah i mean it would uh it would be helpful um to to, to bring in another veteran is because at the end of the day i mean unfortunately this that's been something that that uh you know has lacked this team has lacked is is, is consistency uh in terms of leadership um you know cliff is more of a player friendly type of coach he's not the 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 big you know boisterous um leader that will punish guys visibly and which is why they were you know a team that struggled to stop having penalties um to last yeah. season uh, you know, is typically, you know, you're not seeing a very dis- a disciplined team when it comes down to having a coach. You rarely see guys that struggle, you know, teams that have um, 
subpar leadership from the coaching staff struggle in that realm. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to see Bill Belichick led teams have a ton of penalties. It's just not going to happen. Um, and, and I think, you know, that's, that's a really, really key aspect of it. So bringing in a Tony Jefferson could help. Um, but I think again, it's just, uh, where would, when would he play? That's the only reason why I'm like hesitating there. It's like, you're gonna is he gonna be your special team? Are you, you're not gonna have you know three safeties and Isaiah Simmons? Like I feel like you would have those yeah. guys would all be on the field. It'd be almost like you're bringing in you know like the a veteran leader. But even as we saw when the Rams brought in Eric Weddle like last year, it's it's not like they brought Eric Weddle to just sit on the sideline and hand out you know Gatorade cups. Like he was playing because they needed that safety depth. So that's that's kind of the only hesitation I've had is. Like, is it going to be worth it, or would you rather, you know, get one of those younger players like a James Wiggins in there who will probably be a contributor on special teams for you? No, yeah, I, I agree. Like, you know, and I, I think with James, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, did you see, I think he was released earlier today. Um, but I can't remember. I think I saw that. But if that was the case where, you know, Yep, it was released. It was, um, it was not Wiggins, sorry. Um, Deontay Thompson, I think, is the one I was thinking of, too. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think for me, it's just more so like, okay, if we, if you're going to keep a guy, I personally feel as a, like, if, if you want to, you know, add another safety, you know, and you look at a Tony Jefferson, he would have to be someone that you signed to a, a low a team, really team friendly deal. And he's mostly just there literally to, to teach the other DBs different things, especially from a zone um, scheme standpoint. But I, I just, I don't think it's worth the money or, or worth the, the opportunity. Like you, you roll with the young guys that you have and, uh, and just see, you know, how that plays itself out. I, I wouldn't even really entertain, uh, entertain that unless he, unless you have a, a designated defined role for him. And I just don't know what that role is going to be. Absolutely. Uh, let's go as we kind of wrap up with one final spot, at least, and we'll kind of go over the one big thing of NFL news here today, but the running back room. The Cardinals right now, I think, at least, have seen enough out of Keontae Ingram. You and I talked about this. Like, we loved what Keontae Ingram's potential was. It was just, you looked at those four running backs in the roster, it's like, ah, he's, he's probably not going to beat those guys out. And if he did, Cardinals are having to cut a core special teams player that they like and that they're... Uh, their coach Jeff Rogers trust like that was the guy that on that clutch fourth down play against the Cowboys they threw the ball to him Jonathan Ward but it seems like things have shifted a bit it feels a lot more like Keontae Ingram's shown up quite a bit and it feels like the Cardinals may be keeping him because I don't think he's going to make it to the practice squad feels very much like that from what people have said there's a possibility um teams there's a report that came out that teams may be feeling that Daryl Williams could be cut. And the reports have been that he's not been, you know, impressive in camp. He's been solid, but it's, you know, that's kind of maybe that steady type of person you're looking for. If Keontae Ingram's shown enough where he could get some carries, and in a lot of ways I remember even seeing in the preseason, he was just clicking up blitzes very well. That was one of the things that you always talk about with running backs is you don't get on the field until you're able to pick up in blitz coverage. That was one of the things that David Johnson had to be kind of coached up on, and they altered the offense for him with the Cardinals 
because he just wasn't able to pick up the blitz, at least for the most part, his rookie year. They still had a talent that they were able to you know, get him the ball. But Chris Johnson was the lead running back for like the first eight weeks of the season for Arizona. Do you think the Cardinals, despite the fact that Williams has uh, a fully guaranteed contract, is this spot where we're, we're kind of overblowing that this is going to be the guy who's the running back two behind James Conner? You know, Benjamin's been impressive, but they'll stick with the veteran. Um, Jonathan Ward maybe goes, and you have Ingram on special teams. Or could this be one of those weird situations where they, they keep most of those running backs or make a surprise cut of a veteran in Daryl Williams? Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, they paid Williams. Um, but just from a talent standpoint, I don't think he brings anything dynamic or unseen to this running back to this running back room. You know, uh, you know, Benjamin can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, you know, and, and uh, Ingram actually can catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield as well. And then you have, of course, um, James Conner, who showed that he has a little bit of that in his bag as well. And, and especially as a runner, like, I don't think he's even uh, the second best runner on this team. And, you know, so I, I would actually go ahead and cut bait with him. I know that he was a guaranteed contract, but I don't, I don't believe it was worth a lot of, you know, worth anything, you know, a substantial amount of money. So I would, I mean, keep, keep, keep the youth, keep Keontae Ingram and uh, Ward if he's healthy and, uh, Eno Benjamin and James Conner if you want to go for uh, four running backs. Yeah, I, I feel like I'd be the same. I, I would say they've already looked at cutting Devon Kennard. They've already used up that money. They brought in Williams to get some depth. The way that we saw Eno, he had a phenomenal adjustment to a catch on a wheel route, showing off some of the hands. If he's able to even come in and be able to um, play well enough this offseason where he's probably got that number two role, you got to see some more snaps. We just haven't seen, I think, at least enough from Daryl Williams to be able to say that he's going to be in that spot. I feel like that I'm with you. County Ingram can do stuff that Daryl Williams can't. Like, Williams, I think, has proven that he can be able to be a guy in this league. But I think that you, like you said, lean with the upside, go with the young players that are there. Um, especially since, you know, I think we've seen enough from Keontae Ingram. If you do need to have a larger back, I feel like that between Jonathan Ward and Ingram, you'd be able to rotate those guys through with Eno health permitting for him. Uh, kind of similar to what we saw a couple of years ago um, when they had Chase uh, Edmonds is able to kind of take the rock over and then they used Jonathan Ward on some carries. Um, while Kenyon Drake was battling injury. Uh, let's see, we got our last topic today, which is Jimmy Garoppolo. Cardinals are in the NFC West. Jimmy Garoppolo gets re-signed to a new deal. He basically gets $6.5 million guaranteed. The Niners were having about $25 million of cap room that he had been taking up. They go to the fifth highest in cap room. Now, clearly, the Niners are the Niners. They're going to re-sign a bunch of their guys with that money. But it's interesting because you look at this as a placement, and I think you and I have both been kind of the same as far as what we've taken away from this move by the San Francisco 49ers. Maybe less about Trey Lance, although we can talk about his preseason performance, and more about that this move was probably the right move to make. But I think a lot of people are questioning the optics. What were some of your thoughts? I know you tweeted out about Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, and how this played out for San Francisco. Um. You know, it, it to me it doesn't change anything. They just couldn't get, they couldn't find a trade for Jimmy. Nobody wanted Jimmy. Um, the 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 Niners overplayed their hand, trying to act like they were going to get a King's ransom for him early in the off season, knowing that was not the case. Like he's not that good of a player that you 
like dangle like you're going to get a, just a great return for this investment like they, they overplayed their hand um you know for me the optic standpoint it is a terrible optic standpoint and now people are questioning do you truly believe in 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 your young player who hasn't even played 10 games in the league yet like so um you know so now he's dealing with th- that pressure and those questions and just this is this is a Kyle Shanahan and think and and John Lynch to me are just just doing too much to prove that they're intelligent football people. Just be intelligent football people. And and I say you cut bait with Jimmy. Now again, I mean, if you want to keep him because maybe you feel like he can, from a on bench standpoint, holding the clipboard, be a great be the Alex Smith to your hopeful Mahomes. Sure, I guess. But at the same time. Jim, I don't know if Jimmy's ever been that that type of guy. He, you know, in terms of, hey, I'm a, I'm gonna help the young kid out. Like I don't know if that's the way he he operates. So, um, so yeah, that's that's the way I look at it. It's just, you know, Trey Lance's offense, um, Jimmy, uh, the the optics are, are terrible. From a, you know, just the optics of it is awful. Yeah, it, it looks like you go through the whole season trying to trade Jimmy and I think I agree with you. I think they wanted a pick for Jimmy to replace some of what they gave up for Lance and were adamant about that. But I think they also weren't willing to bite on some of that contract as well. It was a $25 million cap hit like we said. I think that they wanted to do both and I think teams were fine with one or the other. Jimmy himself by getting, you know, a surgery at one point, making sure he wouldn't be able to go into camp. It's weird because he you know, he didn't spend any time around them. I, I feel like that. You, well, you said that this is really just—it's still Trey Lance's team. They still built it around him. I think I agree. Um, it's just tougher because when you are bringing him back, like if you would want to say, "Hey, we believe in this kid so much, we're cutting Jimmy and we're gonna roll ahead with him," just so that there's no questions. Like, hey, if he gets hurt, this is still our guy. Like, we're not gonna go back to Jimmy. That I think is what the Cardinals did with Josh Rosen. They dealt him for a two. Now, granted, it was bit different than Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not a 30-year-old with a $25 million cap hit who has had struggles at times, Uh, but you at least were able to see that commitment, and the Niners have really just, they've kind of had their, kind of have been lukewarm. You know, they're not like hot, they're not cold, they're just in the middle. Uh, That's been, I think, the thing that's been a little bit more for people looking at Trey Lance's preseason performance where Uh, He just has looked inaccurate at times. There's been questions about making reads. I usually don't worry about that in preseason because teams aren't even really game planning. What I've seen is a guy who's been, you know, more athletic, who can get away from some sacks, who's got a bigger arm, but who's needing more time to develop. He's gotten less than like 400 snaps since high school as far as his college football career and pro football career has gone. Um, it really is a spot, though, of if he gets hurt or if, let's say, the Niners start off and they end up going 3-4 and four to begin with. for the mo- let's, let's even say they go worse. Let's say that they start off 1-5 and five or something like that. And they've been struggling. That's their teams are able to go their defense for the most part is getting after it. But let's just say that they start off 1-5. and five. If Trey gets hurt or if Jimmy ends up coming back in and suddenly things kind of the little things that were in their offense get fixed... There's going to be a whole bunch of as far as, you know, not just killing a guy's confidence or some other issues. What I will say is we have seen stuff like this before. Like, people forget that Tom Brady, the greatest of all time himself, did not really play in that Patriots AFC championship game. It was Drew Bledsoe came in after he got hurt early, finished the game, got the win. People thought that Bledsoe was going to start the Super Bowl. And uh, sure enough, Brady trotted out of the tunnel instead. They went with the guy who ended up becoming, you know, the best quarterback ever. 
And that was an interesting testament to, you know, having those two guys on the roster, but still being able to go with your future. It's really going to be interesting to watch because I think ultimately at the end of the day, the Niners, they wanted to get a pick for him. This deal allows him that if he gets signed by another team next year, he's a free agent in 2023. He's got a no trade clause. He can pick if he wants to get traded to a team midseason. Like if a team like the Texans loses Davis Mills, you know, he can block any type of trade to something like that. Um, And he gives the Niners a compensatory pick next year. If they cut him, no pick is compensatory given just the way that it lined up i think the niners made the right choice jimmy obviously made the right choice but it really does kind of feel like a lot of people looking at the situation if trey lance you know doesn't play as well and all of the mac jones rumors that you saw it's just been bad optics and we'll see how that plays out over the season ultimately i think that you have to say that this has just not been handled as well i think it could have been a cleaner quarterback situation and what could have been maybe a little cleaner and the Niners taking maybe a little bit of a loss to show that Trey Lance is their guy. Um, instead, it's kind of panned out where it feels like Kyle Shanahan, you know, he's got his new quarterback ready in tow. But, you know, Jimmy's just kind of peeking over that shoulder just in case he gets his opportunity. No, 100%. Uh, Jimmy, I, I think, you know, everybody just has to understand, like, Trey Lance came into the league a thousand throws. This is just a term that we're using scaling is he came in a thousand throws behind Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Like he didn't throw a lot. He he didn't throw a lot. For one, it was the offense that he was in as well that didn't allow him to throw. Like everyone, they ran the ball a ton. And you know, just a lot get just be patient. Like give the young man his time. I mean, we all watched Jimmy Garoppolo consistently nearly turn the ball over a lot last year, especially towards, especially in the playoffs. You know, the, his final pass was an actual interception, yeah. um, you know, against the Rams. So just be patient with, with with Trey and allow him to get those throws under his belt so he can see the things and that he needs to see and learn from them, you know. And, and should they be considered um, – Super Bowl contenders? No, they wouldn't. They weren't considered Super Bowl contenders with Jimmy. Like, yeah. you know. So it's like I just I feel like people just need to relax and allow this young man to develop. Yeah, I'll be good. I yeah, know. Seeing a lot of Niners fans and just craziness that's happened with their off season. Cardinals fans are no stranger to crazy off seasons, but and I've seen some Cardinals fans almost kind of delighted that Garoppolo's still around and everything. But I. I would say I root for the player as best as I can. Ultimately, the league is just the league. It's how it is. Um, Obviously, we follow the Mm -hmm. Cardinals, but if a guy like uh, you always try to root, I think, for success versus rooting for failure, that's just the way that I feel like it is, in part because you never know if that player someday you're rooting against suddenly may end up on on your team someday. So. Uh, that will wrap it up for us right. here. We're hopefully going to have a special guest for you guys next week. Uh, but that will put a bow on the preseason. I'm Blake Murphy. You can find me on Twitter at BlakeMurphy7. Make sure you're following us at ROTBPod. Damien, why don't you shout out where the listeners can find you? Of course, as always, uh, DP underscore NFL on Twitter. Uh, you know, you can uh, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Follow the college football fans. Uh, find the Talent Factor Football Podcast where I am a co-host with my guy, LSU uh, 2019 champion, uh, Keith Sanchez, as we talk all college football, NFL football, and NFL draft in those specific orders as the periods go forward. And, of course, uh, the draft network for all your 
365 draft needs and that's absolutely at thedraftnetwork.com follow us at revengeofthebirds.com thanks again for joining in we have our season preview next week season uh, is starting get to talk about the kansas city chiefs coming into town can't wait this is for the entire revenge of the bird staff i'm blake thank you guys and go cardinals